Hello, Texans fans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside NRG Stadium and informs you and sometimes entertains you, I hope, as to what is going on with your Houston Texans. I'm Mark Vandermeer. Johnny Harris is off last couple of days, getting some much-needed rest, although you know he's probably grinding away on the 2022 draft already, the Harris 250, because 100 wasn't enough. But D.P. Sidhu joins me for segment number one. Then we're going to have Frank Frangie, the voice of the Jaguars, and then... Johnny with Casey Keeler, the coach of the Sam Houston State Bearcats playing in the national championship game on Sunday. And Andre Ware is calling that on ESPN. But first, D.P. Sidhu, lead writer, HoustonTexans.com, Texans TV personality. Do you like being called a personality? Is that kind of... I, I would. I don't have any problem with being called a personality. It's better than some other things that I've been called. <laughs> you think, you know, often people on the air are called talent, right? You have the behind the scenes people and then the talent. I always thought that was such an insult yeah. to the people who are editing and producing. And those people, <laughs> like, I think they're more talented than I am. I mean, I'm not really that talented. They're the talented ones working with all that equipment and making all the video look great i don't know where your thoughts are on that i, I think we i like personality let's just um let's just stick <laughs> with that because you're right okay. I, I don't know i think talent can sometimes mean, mean they're just things that we insert into different parts of the programming you know right. they're just, we just prop <laughs> them up to look they're just talk like a talking heads it's like another euphemism for talking heads so i like personality of- it gives a little depth it gives a little bit more depth I think you're right, uh, but I think we kind of are just propped up sometimes, you know, <laughs> and certain people in TV are. It, it's definitely true. They're just propped up, read the teleprompter and go. I always say, you know how good the news people are on TV when there's some sort of disaster and they have to go live long form, right? Then you see who's got the chops, who's got the talent or not, when you have to just go off the cuff and you have people talking in your ear and they're going to, now let's go to the Buffalo Bayou because it's flooding. Oh no, wait a minute. Now we're going to go out to Katy because we have something else going on out there. That impresses me, the people who handle that well. You know what? We don't use teleprompters, which always surprises people when we shoot our shows. Drew never uses a teleprompter. We don't even have a teleprompter. I think at this point in my career, if I had to use a teleprompter, I probably wouldn't even know how to use one. Mm -hmm. But a friend of mine in the TV business a long time ago told me that the best TV people are the people that come from radio because you don't rely on teleprompters or a script. You have when things go wrong and there's technical difficulties, you're still able to be smooth and seamless and you just keep your cool, even if you may be freaking out on the inside. So I think radio is, you know, for, for the kids out there listening, get your chops in radio. I think it really does uh, lend itself to a lot of different careers. Yeah. And podcasting, too, I think uh, people do these long form programs now, and that probably helps them just sort of talk things out. When you're on TV, you have like 30 seconds, mm-hmm. get your best material on right now fast and furious anyway let's get our best material in here uh, right now ourselves dp as we have a rookie minicamp going on right now and later on there's going to be a mandatory minicamp there's phase two starting up next week we'll see how all of that shapes up with the houston texans as many players have been in the building working out we all know it's been a strange offseason in the national football league but Rookie minicamp, as you have the undrafted free agents, some tryout guys out there as well. And it's just great that everybody gets a taste of uh, being in the building and just acclimating to the Houston Texans organization and the NFL at large because they didn't get a chance to do it this year or last year, rather, the rookies. And this year they get that opportunity to meet everybody and be around each other. I know I, you feel so bad for the 2020 rookie class, like how things started out with them. I mean, in some ways, things did work out for them. They were able to have a combine. Some of them had their pro days. 
This year, there was no combine. Pro days were a little bit different, but at least you could sort of plan for the offseason. Like, I felt like last year, we were sort of building the plane as we were flying it. But this year, you, you, you've got to plan for rookie minicamp. I mean, it's not open the way it was a few years ago where there's media out there. But you know what? At this point, I think it's more important that they're able to develop these guys and at least whatever they're teaching them virtually and in the classroom, they can actually apply it practically to the field. Because last year, a lot of these guys didn't really even get to take the field with each other until camp, you know, that's, that's a little late in the game. Like you think about how much these, these guys go, how many reps they got in before camp, like, especially this year with all the free agents that the Texans have signed, they need to start building their chemistry and it's better, better they're able to do it during the off season program. What was your reaction when they drafted Davis Mills? You and I have not talked on the air about this. I feel like it's a good situation for him because, you know, if you're drafted number one or two overall pick in the draft, look, that's dynamite to be that person. But there's also a ton of pressure on you to live up to that selection almost immediately these days in the NFL. And for Davis Mills, I equate him to I've used the analogy of green bananas. You know, sometimes you buy the green bananas, but they get right pretty quickly often. You know, even like sometimes that night they're ready. It's kind of weird. Like they go from green to being ready and or maybe it takes a day or two. But the point is this, that you're getting him maybe a year before he was going to be a first round pick, according to many of the pundits and experts. I like the fact for him that he has a chance to without a ton of pressure that you'd have being the number one two whatever overall pick you get to develop and learn. Now, maybe it happens very quickly. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see. I like your banana analogy because I like to have a lot of bananas in the bunch all the time because you never know. You like bananas are so important. You need it for smoothies. You might want to eat it in your cereal. You might want it as a snack. Like that's the quarterback on a football team. Like you need him for everything. He needs to be out there. So I feel like you should always be ripening bananas. You should always have green (laughs) bananas in the bunch because you just, you never know which one's going to be the one that you need at any given point. So I think the banana analogy is perfect. I think Davis Mills is a nice green banana. You don't need him right now, but you never know during the season what may happen. Injuries, Deshaun Watson, we don't know how that situation is going to play out. Like, we're not putting him as the starter right now, but he's just sort of there on the backseat. And if it doesn't work out, you didn't really waste a first or second round pick. Like we saw with the Jaguars, them drafting quarterbacks so high and some of these other teams, like, it's really hard to uh, move away from a quarterback that you've spent such high capital on. You really feel like you got to give that guy a chance for a lot more years. Whereas, you know, a third round, fourth round pick later on, if it doesn't work out, you part ways and, and you try again, you, you just keep adding bananas every single year. I think you should always have some green bananas in the bunch. I, you know, I always say I like having Miami hurricanes around and the Texans did draft one of those guys, but I do like having these Stanford guys around too, like Justin Reed and, you know, we had Condoleezza Rice in the building a few years ago. Lena Hidalgo, Harris County judge, is a Stanford alum. And, you know, to get Davis Mills in here from Stanford just feels right for some reason to me. Well, you know, I think with Pep Hamilton, I think that's what that that's the, the, the thing that's really intriguing about this whole thing, because obviously we know Pep Hamilton's history with David Shaw and Stanford. And so in a year where you don't really get a lot of one on one interaction with players, it's via Zoom. The fact that Pep has worked with David Shaw and he sort of knows that here's a guy that can come in and run that system. And maybe there's going to be some similarities to what sort of offense the Texans will be running in 2021. I think any ties that you can have with players are super important. And obviously with Pep, it's not just Davis Mills. It's, it's also the wide receiver. It's also Nico Collins from Michigan Mm -hmm. because, you know, Pep and Ben McDaniels were there as well. So we see a lot of 
of ties between some of these coaches. I actually thought Lovey Smith, I thought we might get some big 10 defensive uh, players as well, just because I think they, they were going to rely really heavily on these coaches that had ties at the collegiate system to get some of these, these draft picks, especially since the Texans had so few of them. You know, with Nico Collins, you have he and Brevin Jordan. Jordan's a tight end, obviously, but these guys are good pass catchers, you know, good receivers. And look, I know that you have a lot of receivers here on this roster led by Brandon Cooks, and the tight end room is not exactly empty either. But if these guys rise to the occasion, they could contribute. You know, and it might not be a high volume of catches, but they can make big plays here and there in this offense. And again, we still don't know exactly what it's all going to look like. You know, I like Nico Collins. I like his size. I feel like it's been a while since the Texans drafted a wide receiver that big. I feel like in a couple of years, he could sort of have the build that Andre Johnson had. I'm not saying he's going to be Andre Johnson, but a big uh, pass catcher. Usually we see those sort of guys as the tight ends, but it'll be interesting to see a bigger wide receiver because he can do a little bit more out on the field. I just, I'm very curious to see how he develops. I remember the first time I saw Andre Johnson in person, when I started covering this team, his back was to me and we were covering players in the locker room. And I thought it was like a, a linebacker or a defensive player. I <laughs> yeah. did not realize that's what Andre Johnson looked like up close in person. He is humongous. I mean, he's still humongous, but he was humongous, especially then when he was playing in the league. And I joked with Johnny that I really like big 10 wide receivers because I was hinting at Purdue's wide receiver, um, which Johnny said he was not going to be available by the time the Texans picked. He was not, but then I thought it was really funny that we still took a big 10 wide receiver in Nico Collins. So I feel like I put that out there in the universe, Mark, before the you, that's, I'm sure that's the reason that's why exactly what happened. Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, <laughs> we're going to hear from Garrett Walla tomorrow after practice, and that's going to be good. So you'll hear him on Monday show here on Texans all access and you'll see him on HoustonTexans.com. But uh, you know, I, I look at the whole class, five players last year, five players this year. It's not a ton of guys, you know, but I feel like this year, the whole Texans roster is, is the new draft class, you know, with all these experienced free agents that you've signed to, you know, limited deals, one, two year contracts, whatever the reports have said, uh, it just feels like a whole brand new squad, really. I, it does. And I think we, when we show up to camp, we're going to need rosters <laughs> And we're going to need headshots to see what these guys look like because there are so many, so many new players. But to your point with Davis Mills, I do like that we drafted a quarterback, especially for the rookie minicamp, because usually we'd bring in like a tryout quarterback um, to get the reps. And, you know, I think it's really great. Like if you've got a, a guy that you drafted that he gets so many more reps in rookie minicamp and it really gets him up to speed a lot faster. So I think this will be great for Davis Mills. I think that when the veterans come back in the building for phase two on Monday, it'll be great for them to get to, inter- for the coaching staff, especially to see sort of where the rookies fit in, how these free agents look compared with the guys that were here last year, where they sort of fit into the mix. Because right now I think it'd be very hard for any of us to pick a starting 11 on offense or defense. Like I, I think it would be near impossible. We don't know some of these other free agents that have come from other teams. They could be a starter on day one, but. It's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to know until you see everyone on the field together. Right. You see some guys come in you think, well, he could start if he really has his A game on, or this guy might not even make the team. You never right. know. Because it could be one or the players, other. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of players at that level. All right, so you've done a series, Meet the Texan, the New Texans, and you've gone one by one with the free agents being signed. Uh, have any of the rookies had any tidbits of information or stories that have stood out to you? Anything interesting? Because – 
I've learned a lot about these new Texans players that they acquired through free agency and some of the trades through reading your series and having you on this show. I mean, I think a lot of them had really impressive pro days. I think Nico Collins, I mean, he's a big guy. He ran like a 4-4-3, 40 at his pro day. And there were a lot of Michigan guys that were getting a lot of looks from scouts and, and officials across the league. I thought pro day numbers were really interesting because I didn't really follow every single guy's pro day results until you right. draft them. And then you sort of go sure. back and you look because we didn't have a combine this year where we could sort of say, hey, where did everybody uh, stack up? I thought, you know, the, I, I really enjoy learning about these guys their stories and i know brevin jordan even on his opening press conference he alluded to the fact that his dad was drafted by the falcons and then he never played in the nfl and this is sort of his uh, nod to him you know he wants to succeed in the nfl and do well in the nfl because it was his dad's dream to play so you know things like that i i really enjoy i think nico collins um nico collins davis mills will be intriguing just the connection with stanford and you know he's got two older sisters, one lives here. And I was looking at some of her Twitter highlights. She was a really good tennis player for U of H. So he's got some ties to Houston already. I, I mean, I kind of like the personal side of these players. I feel like we, we've seen the stats, we've seen the film, obviously they're good players because they're here, but who are they as people? I think that's what really what fans relate to is understanding who the player is. That makes them different from all the other players and all the other teams. And that's what really fans grow to love. Like you look at guys like JJ Watt, like, how much the city grew to love him just in getting to know him because he really put himself out there. And I, and I, you know, I'm excited to see what this next batch of, of players is like. I think Roy Lopez is going to be super intriguing though. Johnny and I think that he would be a great candidate for hosting radio shows because he wrestled. He's got great hair. Um, he's a great football player, obviously, uh, because he, he did well at the collegiate level, but you know, I just, uh, I think that he would, he would, he, I think he'd be an interesting personality. I'm just going to put that out there right now. So I'm looking forward to getting to know these guys. I agree. We might not find out right away because I <laughs> think that I think rookies that are, yeah. I mean, this just in rookies are not going to be getting deep one on, they're not be, going to be doing the deep slant. Let me just put that out there. Not yeah. right away until they sort of get acclimated to the system yeah. in the rookie program. So. I mean, last year we really didn't do much with them, but they they didn't do much on the field, and we had the Zoom call situation, so it was a strange year media availability wise. There's no doubt, and uh, we weren't going to get some of those conversations. I thought last year, though, on Tuesday nights we had some really deep conversations with the veterans who appeared, and I know the season was not good at four and twelve, but we had some really nice moments with these players that we had on the show. And Farrell Brown, one of them, he's still on the team uh, in that tight end room. I'm a little um, surprised you and Drew didn't prompt me to do my greatest moments in rookie minicamp history uh, oh. because, you know, like I, <laughs> I've done the greatest moments in preseason history, the greatest moments in, you know, it's June the 3rd history, uh, whatever. But uh, I don't really have too many, though. I, you know, Dave Ragone throwing left-handed passes to Andre Johnson and Andre Ooh. having trouble with this, with the rotation being different at first and then getting used to it and obviously having a hall of fame caliber career. Uh, and you know, I have case Keenum in 2013 looking really good with a whole bunch of trial players. I mean, it feels like they had 50 guys in the bubble practicing that year. And I think they needed all 50 in 2013. Anyway, uh, this rookie about. minicamp is, it just feels like it's going to be a much smaller class. I think also for social yes, distancing guidelines too, because they're, they're still very much keeping um, in line with the league protocols when it comes to that. I, I imagine they'll loosen up at some point. You saw the CDC guidelines that you know, no mm -hmm. masks required outdoors and indoors, but I think for now the, the NFL is playing it super safe. 
So it's a very small group of rookies and tryout players, but you know, I think that's great for them. And it's great for the coaches because it's a new coaching staff. They didn't get the right. jump start that they normally get. So they can really get to know these guys one-on-one -on -one, and it's not going to be 50 guys out there at the same time. So trying to find a silver lining in this pandemic sort of post pandemic mode that we're in with rookie mini camp, but I, I think it'll be exciting nonetheless. I found it interesting that Bill Maher had to cancel his show. This was a national story because he's been vaxxed twice, yet he tested positive for COVID, asymptomatic all the way. Oh. No, no feeling whatsoever about the virus other than the fact that he registered positive. I got to think he tested twice. You know, if I'm him and I've been vaxxed twice, well, fully vaxxed, as they say, and I test positive, I am definitely getting tested again because that could be a false positive or whatever. And then what are we doing here? I don't know. Don't give me. Well, well, you know what? I think if you're asymptomatic anyway, it would be, I, I knew people that tested positive last year and were convinced they weren't sick, but it's mm -hmm. the asymptomatic positive is really, I mean, that, that that's, that's hard. I think it's hard to accept anyway, let alone if you're vaxxed twice, but I mean, I guess it can happen, Mark. I mean, there oh, yeah. it's not a hundred percent effective. <laughs> it's not a hundred percent percentage. Yes. But if you do get it, apparently you don't spread it as much uh, mm. if you've been fully vaxxed. And obviously you're not going to get very sick or sick at all, maybe. So we'll see how that plays out. And this I'll is not it. a COVID show, by the way. No, it's, it's not a legal <laughs> show. It's not a COVID show. We always have to, <laughs> it's not a banana uh, show either. It's, but yeah, it's, not a, it's not a fruit show. All right. So uh, just a few minutes left here. But I wanted to get your thoughts because last night I had John McClain on <laughs> and I asked him about the schedule. Anything pop to you about the schedule? Anything jump out? And I know you and Drew were on uh, digital TV as Johnny and I were live on the radio the other night. It's funny because like we had both barrels of the gun firing uh, from different directions. I guess I screwed that whole metaphor up. But anyway, the point is we were both on the air in some way, shape or form. What jumped out to you? Uh, well, you know, as far as the Texan schedule or just in general, yeah, Texan with the schedule. schedule. Yeah, the Texan schedule, um, obviously, Drew and I realized this. Well, I, Drew knew this, and I realized this as we were unveiling it. We have a game on Halloween <laughs> on Sunday. And I don't know why that's the thing that jumped out at me, but I was so excited. And I, on the live show, said, well, Drew, we absolutely have to do the pregame show in costume. It's against yes. the Rams. It's at home. When is that ever? I mean, I wouldn't pack a costume for a road trip. Cause that would be a little weird, but <laughs> in Houston, it's all love. I think our fans yep. are probably going to show up in costume too. And I, I, that was a game that we just did not, it, I didn't even know October 31st was even an option until it was. So that definitely jumped out at me. Obviously the week one game against Jacksonville, Johnny and I were talking about it earlier. And I said, if I could have any game week one, I'd want it to be the Jaguars. I want the beginning of the urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence era. I want it to start here because we got to play them twice anyway. Let's catch them. Uh, you know, when they're just getting started, I think it'll be exciting for the fans. I think it gives the defense a, a great chance to go up against a rookie quarterback. And then, you know, obviously we're going to face them later on in the season. I think a lot, a lot's going to change obviously for both quarterback and for the Jaguars and for the Texans, but I was excited. I love opening up at home. I love having the home opener. I think you know, I, I'm I'm so excited about that, but also Halloween. Super Halloween, excited. yeah, it's a great point. And geez, do I dress up that day? Do I dress up as Howard Cosell? <laughs> Will people even know that I'm dressed up as Howard Cosell? How do I do that? I'm not sure, but uh, you do bring up a good point. You know, well, I know I'm going to be on the field doing the pregame show. Yeah, you got to be if, dressed up. in a costume. I'm okay. promising that. Elvira. I don't know what the costume. Is. Elvira. Will people <laughs> remember Elvira. <laughs> 
Mark, we got to go a little bit more current, like yeah, color television so. shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I knew, I, I knew I'd get busted for that. All right, DP. Thanks a lot for being thanks, with us. Mark. All right. You talked about the Jaguars and Frank Frangie, the voice of the Jaguars, joins us next. How's it going in North Florida? How's Urban Meyer handling everything so far? Trevor Lawrence, Tim Tebow, anybody will talk about it all next on Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer with you, joined now by my buddy Frank Franchi, the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Frank, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. A lot of hype, a lot of mania around the Jaguars in North Florida right now. What's it like? Mark, thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you. And yes, there's been more mania. We have, we'll have a mania right here. We had Minshew mania. We've had Tebow mania. We've got Trevor mania. We're not afraid of mania around here. We're a long way from playing a football game, but yeah, these are kind of fun times for sure. Well, tell me, let's start with Urban Meyer because we haven't caught up for a while. We didn't have our combine visit. So what's it like to have him around? Because I know you covered him in college and you covered college football very closely on your show in Jacksonville. And now he's the head coach of a pro football team. How is it and how's it going to be for him? He is a here's what I'll tell you. He is as organized, attentive to detail, um, locked in on what he wants to do as any anybody I've ever been around in any industry. He's that guy. He knows what he wants to do. And that's why he's been so successful. Uh, he's been uh, easy to work with, very loose and laid back, which is a little bit different than he was before. Now, look, he hadn't, won, he hadn't lost a game yet either. But uh, he, I think he is a, he's not as intense as he once was. He'll tell you that. He'll tell you he's learned from that. But the, the attention to detail and the organizational structure that made him so good, I think, is still there. It's going to be fun. The, the fun thing is, Mark, everybody's excited. Look, it's been a tough go here, man. You know that. 13 out of 14 losing seasons. Um, the Nine out of the last 10 double-digit loss seasons. Uh, 15 straight losses till the end of last year. It's been a tough go. It's been a tough go for the Jaguars for a long time, and I think everybody understands that. And I think for that reason – Anything to get excited about or be optimistic about is pretty cool. And I think people are excited about him, about Trevor. There's a palpable buzz that we haven't had around here in a long time. All right, so what about Trevor? I know the fans have to be excited, media, everybody. What do you think of him coming in here and the kind of pressure that's on him as the number one pick and he's supposed to save the franchise and everything like that? I know you've answered and talked about this a lot, answered a lot of questions. But what are you thinking right now as he was just drafted and getting acclimated to the Jaguar way of doing things, the new way anyway? Yeah, a couple things, Mark. Number one, NFL NFL quarterback's hard. All right. It's not easy. It's hard. There's there's 330 million Americans. and We have a heck of a time finding 32 of them. You know, so it's it's a hard job. Uh, we all know that. I will say this about him. He's been the guy everywhere he's been. He, he was the star at high school before he ever got to the high school team. He was the star at Clemson before he ever signed. He has, he has had these expectations his whole life, Mark. Now, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be successful every time you take the next step. But he has so far. He's got a very slow heartbeat. Uh, he's got life in perspective, man. All Everyone made a big deal about the Sports Illustrated article when he said, listen, if I lose, the world doesn't come crashing down on me. And some people thought that means he's not competitive enough or doesn't care enough, which is hogwash. He, he does and he is. He's just a guy that has life in perspective. I, he's a priorities in order. And those are all cliches, but I think he, I, I think he is that. So I think that'll help him. Who knows how a first year guy is going to do. It's a hard world out there. And look, the team was one in 15. So they were more than just a quarterback away from being good. But yeah, I think he's a, a down to earth, very grounded kid. 
uh, he'll do as well as he can. I'm excited. I'm excited about being around him more. You know, with the tier stuff, we're still not around these guys very much. Yeah. So I'm excited about getting to know him better, uh, being around him. But I do think he's a slow heartbeat guy, Mark. I think he's a laid back guy that I think uh, all the pressure will affect him less than it would others. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, with us on Texans Radio. Frank, give me two or three things that people are not talking about that should excite Jaguar fans, anyway, about the upcoming season and the next couple of years, anyway. Because I know you play the hits a lot. Everyone's talking about Tebow and Lawrence and Meyer. But what about things that people are not necessarily discussing? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. I think, number one, the team will be faster. It's been a slow team. It just hasn't been very fast. In college football or the NFL today, you got to run, man. The Alabama wins all the national titles because they're faster than everybody. In Ohio State and Clemson, uh, everybody pays attention to Tom Brady and Gronk and, and Mike Evans. But one of the reasons Tampa Bay won the thing last year is that defense can really run. Their linebackers are really fast. You know this. So I think the team will be faster. The one thing Urban said is we got to get faster. They drafted a lot of fast guys. They signed a lot of fast guys in free agency, predominantly defensive guys. So I think the defense will run a little more. It'll look like that Steelers-Ravens defense structurally. I think it'll be a 3-4 out of the gate. I, I think they'll, I think Josh Allen and Caleb on Chason will be very good outside linebackers. Way better 3-4 outside backers than they were 4-3 ends. And Josh Allen was pretty good 4-3 ends. So I think a faster defense, more team speed, uh, more attentive to detail on on defense special teams that's the thing look you got to have quarterback play but in addition to quarterback play you got to run on defense and it's just been a slow team and mark you see him twice a year for the last however many years jags haven't run very well that 17 team ran and look how good they were so i think more team speed a better defense uh, i think that's happening too and you're right no one's talking about it. we're all talking about trevor and tebow and all the rest Frank, what about the other two teams in the division? The Texans and Jags are rivals, of course, but we have this in common. We don't like the Titans and the Colts. So let's start with Indy. What do you think of what they've done? And Carson Wentz, how do you see that going? How do you project that? Man, man, there have been two Carson Wentzes, Mark. There's been the guy that was probably headed for an MVP before he got hurt. Uh, he looked like all the rage, 6'5", athletic, big arm. Um, then there's a Carson Wentz that the story came out that maybe he wasn't the best teammate in the world. Maybe he's a little bit immature, never really found himself when he came back. So I don't know which Carson Wentz they're getting. I don't know which Carson Wentz is the real one. Indianapolis is a really well-run franchise. They know what they're doing. They know how to draft. They know how to sign players. Um, they've been good. They just haven't had quarterback play. When Phillip Rivers got there, they were pretty good the one year he was there. So if Wentz is decent, they're going to be good because they, I think they know what they're doing in Indianapolis. I have a lot of respect for that franchise. The question comes down to the quarterback. Uh, I really like what Tennessee does. I, I think Mike Vrabel is a really good coach. He's a great leader. Leadership matters. There's a toughness to him. I think he learned that. I think he was that guy anyway. I think he learned it under one under Urban Meyer when he played when he was at Ohio State and came back to try to learn how to be a coach. Then certainly learned it with Belichick uh, as a player. Uh, I, I I have great respect for both of those. But having said that, neither of those are elite yet. They may be a step away from that. Uh, I like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's been, he's been good for them. So I think the Titans are the team to beat in the division. I think the Colts are a well-run organization. Uh, the question mark for me is quarterback. I just don't know which Carson Wentz they're getting. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jaguars, with us on Texans Radio. All right, what about the rest of the AFC? Is it the Chiefs? No question about it. Are the Bills ready to take that next step? Your thoughts? Those are the two teams because they have the two quarterbacks, and they have and they have today's quarterback. 
uh, kind of like Deshaun Watson has been for Houston. They can run, they can throw, they're smart, they're well-respected in the locker room. So those are the two teams. I think Mahomes is so good that I think they're going to be tough to beat until somebody figures that out. I, I And look, Josh Allen's a good player. Uh, Buffalo's made great strides. I think Mahomes is so good, Mark. I mean, so good, historically good, that they're going to be tough to beat as long as they have him. I, uh, I would think... The, I think it all starts with Kansas City, and it's going to for a while. Because uh, everything you hear about Patrick Mahomes, he's not just a really good player, but he works. It, you know, what made Brady so – what continues to make Brady so good, what made freaking Michael Jordan so good, is in addition to all the talent, those guys grind and they work and they eat right in the offseason and, and, and the teammates respond to them and they're great leaders. I think Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Everything you hear about him, he's all of that. And I'm not saying Josh Allen isn't. He probably is too. I don't know. I think it starts with Kansas City, man. All right. What about uh, the 17 game schedule, Frank? How do you see this playing out? What do you think of it? It's a lot of games. That's what I think. I uh, I think it's a tough game. I uh, I don't know that I loved it for the players. For us, I love it because I love calling games like you. I mean, uh, if we're calling 20 games anyway, uh, as a play by play guy, I'd rather mm. call. 17 of them that count rather than 16 of them that count. So <laughs> for, for, for my life doesn't change very much, but I will tell you, I think it's a, it's tough for these players. I think that it's, it's, it's a tough go for the players. I, I believe that in all my heart. I, I think it's a lot of games and, and I want to see how people manage it. It's a long year. 16 games was a long season. You know, you have ups and downs during it. Uh, I'll be interested to see our team. We have a very early buy. We have a buy right after London for the Jaguars. So, and so you know that London trip can take a little out of it. You've mm-hmm. made it. The uh, and that we it's a six. It gets week six and then the bye. I think early buys hurt teams. I think everybody would really love to have that week nine or ten bye. I think that 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 benefits teams. And ours is early. It's a long year. It's a, it's a long year. I don't necessarily think it affects who wins and who loses. Um, but I probably they didn't ask me by the way, Mark. But if I if I'd have gotten a call, I probably would have said think long and hard before we had a regular season game. All right, one more for you, Frank. We are in Texas. You're in Florida. What's it been like going through the pandemic in Florida? Because a lot of positive reviews about the lifestyle. What has it actually been like for a resident there? You know, it's funny, Mark. Um, March through, gosh, mid-fall was the same everywhere. It was it was the most surreal world we'd ever been in. It, everything was from home. I did my radio show from home the whole summer. Um, it was, a, it was totally bizarre. Uh, my wife and I usually take these trips all over the country. We go to Jackson Hole or Seattle or Canada, whatever. We did nothing. We drove to a cabin in North Georgia a couple of times. So from a lifestyle standpoint, from probably March through the mid fall, it was weird. After that, I think Florida has been a little ahead of the curve, uh, Texas as well. But I think we have been, you know, our life came back to normal. I, I think you know, we still took all the protocols, but life started feeling more normal for us toward the end of the year and the beginning of this year. And I got to tell you, now around here, uh, I know the CDC came out yesterday and said you don't have to wear, wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated. I've been fully vaccinated for a while. I'm older than you. I'm 62, Mark. I'm an old guy. So, I, uh, so I've, been, I've been fully vaccinated for a while here. Um, life feels pretty normal now. Restaurants are packed. I don't know if they are there, but restaurants mm-hmm. are packed. We had that UFC event here. Uh, indoors about a month ago. I think the first one in America was full and it was packed. Um, yeah, I think life feels more normal. I'll be interested to see how that affects the football team. Right now, there, there's a mini camp going on, a rookie mini camp, but the interviews are still going to be by Zoom. I hope that ends. 
I, I think there's a difference to I'd rather talk to Urban and the players on the field and maybe walk with somebody afterwards. Sure. I don't know when that's coming back. But as far as a resident, I think life feels more normal than it has in a while. Excellent stuff, Frank. We appreciate the visit as always. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You do the same, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Take care. There's my friend Frank Frangie, the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's also a friend of Johnny's. He was a friend of Johnny's first because Johnny spent a long time in Jacksonville as the former head coach of Episcopal High School there and doing a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, let's get to Johnny next because he catches up with Casey Keeler, the head coach of Sam Houston State, the Bearcats in the national championship this Sunday feels weird to say that we are in may but it's a pandemic year and they're going to play for the title andre's calling it on espn let's get to that next on texans radio keeping you company on a friday evening mark vandermeer with you and of course there's football being played this spring in the college level and sam houston state is in the national championship in fcs this sunday andre calling the game on espn and, of course, the Bearcats are every year in the Battle of the Piney Woods here at NRG Stadium. Not last year, COVID. You know the rest of the story. But here's Johnny with Casey Keeler to talk about the game and some other stuff related to it. Man, I'm so pleased to be joined by our next guest. He will be coaching on Sunday. That's a big thing because college football is always Saturday. But this week it's Sunday. And that means championship game Sunday for the Sam Houston Bearcats. Joining me right now is a guy I've gotten to know through the year. I've become a big fan of his teams, and that's Casey Keeler. Coach, first of all, congratulations. How you doing? Championship week. What's the feeling? Oh, yeah. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. You, you know, I mean, this is why I came here. I came to Sam Houston because they told me that they would give me the resources to go win a national championship. And, you know, we're here. We're here. We're one game away. And, and to win the national championship this year, in my opinion, we're going to beat the best three teams. We have to beat the best three teams in the country in three consecutive weeks. And, oh, by the way, Mammoth, probably around there seven or eight. I yep. mean, they're a pretty good football program. So uh, to beat North Dakota State and James Madison and then South Dakota State, I think they're the best three teams in the country, keeping the Bearcats out of this. And so it would be a great accomplishment. And uh, you get that ring and it's gold and you have it for the rest of your life. So, Coach, last Saturday, full disclosure, I'm sitting with some of your uh, some of your favorite friends. So I didn't get a chance to see the TV broadcast, but after we were driving home, sort of heard that you were very calm at 24 to three down. They have a little six minute run there where they get the big lead. Why were you so calm in a game in which you felt like, man, is this thing slipping away? What were you thinking at 24 to three and why so calm? For the first time this season, I saw some panic in my Bearcats. And I knew I couldn't be panicking with them. And I thought of all the things that we've gone through to get here, and I'm thinking 21 points is a minor obstacle <laughs> yeah, compared true. to the pandemic and no locker room and all the other stuff we, you know, we've dealt with. So, I mean, I think that's, I needed to be that way for the players. And also I had a belief that we've gone through a lot. This team can rally. Now, my, my message was really simple. There's no plays in the playbook to get us back 21 points. Right. We probably can find one that can get us back seven. Yeah. And if we do that, we're going to be fine. I think once they understood that, and then once we got back that seven, it was like, here we go. And uh, to think about it, down 21 and then to go up 11 uh, in you know that short, short period of time, it was truly mind-boggling. And a great testament to our kids in terms of how they took a deep breath and just moved forward. Coach, when it's 27-24, uh, 
after Jaquez has done his thing, back-to-back plays, uh, which we'll get to him in a second. But on the – I keep calling it an onside kick. I know you didn't mean it for it to be an onside kick, but I see that ball up in the air, and I'm looking at where the returner is, and I'm like, boy, they got a shot of recovering this thing. Yeah. I no, took a we second – We called that call exactly that? that way. That's exactly how I called it. I got the guys in the huddle, and, and the, our kicker and I have talked about this a number of times. I said the toughest ball to handle is a full-speed ball that just dies in midair and comes right. straight down. And I was off the phones when we kicked – the first time, and we put the yeah. ball on the ground, and they gave him the ball on the 40-yard line. And I said, guys, no, this, this is perfect. We need to pound that ball as hard as we can, let it hang in the air. It's going to drop straight down, and we're going to recover it. And so I got the uh, kickoff team together on the sideline. I told them exactly what the plan was, and we executed to perfection. Coach, I took a moment right there to just watch the sideline, to watch the fans on that side, to watch the students on the other side. That was as cool a moment as I've seen in football. And I know you're in the moment and the game's going on and now you got to think offense, get back out on the field and we really got to run going. What's kind of going through your mind as you get the big two, the two big touchdowns from Ezard. Now all of a sudden you get the ball back and you get it in great field position. What are you thinking at that moment? Because there is chaos and joy all around you. How do you keep your head in that moment as a coach? Yeah, you know, it was one of those like, okay, we made the big play. Now let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's finish off the series. So we're trying to calm some guys down, love the energy, but now let's go execute. And that was kind of like we t- what we talked about in, in, the, uh, in the locker room at halftime. Let's just execute. Yeah. We, we, that's the problem. Two things. First of all, we got a little bit ahead of ourselves. They made some plays and we started worrying about, are we going to be collecting the equipment? Or I mean, yeah. and all that. Just play the next snap. So we took care of that. And then, okay, we got the momentum. We got the enthusiasm but we still have to finish off the execution. And so that was a kind of a fine line there because you want to feed off that energy, but at the same time, you got to remind them, we got to go now execute. But uh, it, it was one of the coolest moments for me in my career on that sideline, feeling that just total sway and momentum. Yeah. Momentum is such an interesting thing. One play can just change an entire game in terms of momentum. There was a number of plays in a row that yeah. changed that game, uh, and it was special to be, to be there. And it did it in three minutes. That's the incredible thing. I mean, it did it in three minutes was just absolutely amazing to do. But then in the fourth quarter, you still got 15 minutes to play and you hang on for the win. So coach, I'm going to go to the week prior. How much did knocking off NDSU at home, knowing how, you know, what a big, you know, a big team that is in FCS. How much did that play into those final 15 minutes that you did it the week before against NDSU now you got to do it against another power. How much did that week before play into those final 15 minutes? Yeah, and I, and I think the, the Mammoth game played into that also. And I think the Southeast True. Louisiana game played into that also. I mean, yeah. any time you can have experiences where it's you, you can lose and then you go and win, that just builds confidence. Yeah. And these are things you, 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 can't, you can't do this in practice. You can't, like, simulate this in practice. I mean, I, I always talk about the legendary coach I played for, Tubby Raymond. And he had this constant theme that you cannot simulate a football game. It's impossible. And you need to have real life experiences to grow from the, you know, to, to, to grow as a team. And we've had some real life experiences, especially yeah. the last three weeks. We've had some real life experiences. And I think it's helped this team grow. Now, I know it's probably human nature to look ahead a little bit. And you just mentioned Delaware. And I would imagine, I know I was one of them talking to my friends and such. 
oh man, Casey gets a championship game. He faces his alma mater, a team where he you know, led to a national championship. It won't be Delaware. And maybe that's a little bit of pressure off you. And that storyline's out, but it is South Dakota State. This team yeah, is no. number one team in FCS. How do you feel about seeing the Jackrabbits? You know, I, I think if, if it would have been a Delaware thing like two years ago or three years ago, four years ago, but I mean, I've been gone for seven years. You know, I don't know those kids. I mean, yeah. I know Danny Rocco, he's a hell of a football coach. An offensive coordinator was an intern for me. Um, but I mean, so that's been, it's almost like, like a, it almost feels like a lifetime ago. Right. But when you look at South Dakota State, you go, <laughs> we got a good yeah. football team, you know, coming yeah. in here. Um, maybe the best team in the country, not called Sam Houston. That's kind of right. how we look at life, you know. Yeah. But um, it's almost a carbon copy of a North Dakota State team. Yeah. How physical they are. The difference is this freshman quarterback is playing a little bit better than their yeah. freshman quarterback in North Dakota State. Right. That really is the difference. Um, and, you know, I think possibly what happened at North Dakota State is they had the first round draft choice. Right. He took a lot of the fall. And now they got on top of the freshman a little bit late in the year before they decided right. to go in that direction, where South Dakota State made this decision earlier right. and have gotten their freshman quarterback a lot of reps. But, yeah, they're very similar now in terms of physicality, size. Uh, they play they play just so – so um, they play violent. Like yeah. they, they just play violently. Yeah. You know, it's, a very, it's, it's like looking in a you – know, it's like looking at a – they just don't, aren't wearing green and gold. That's right. the difference. Along those lines, Coach, last one, Eric Schmid, throughout the year, there are times – I remember the Nichols game, once he got on track, he was phenomenal in a game you won 71-17, to 17, I think it was. He's had moments – he's also had moments the other way, trying to kind of find his footing. It felt like maybe the other day was kind of that. He was trying to find his footing. But when he did, wow, your offense took off. What do you expect from Eric? What do you want to see from Eric in his championship game on Sunday? Yeah, I thought what James Madison did was I thought they just they played really aggressive, much more aggressive yeah. than even they have been. And they've been very aggressive. So they were attacking us. And I think when you attack like that, you're going to get home sometimes. Yeah. I think it was just a matter of us getting to the speed of the game, finding some things that were working and then, you know, getting him. I want to say settled down because he never gets rattled, but just kind right. of in a rhythm. And once yeah. he got in his rhythm, you know, and I'll be honest with you, John. When, he does, when he's in his rhythm, we're tough yeah. to beat. Yeah, I mean, tough. if it's pulling the ball down, if it's extending plays, if it's sitting in the pocket and throwing, I mean, you know, he can do it all. I mean, the, the, there's a reason why he's an, an All-American and uh, voted to a number of, of All-American teams. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, as he goes, we go. And that's very typical. You think about the last three times I was in the national championship game, I had a kid named Andy Hall, who was a fifth-round pick by the Eagles. I had a kid named Joe yep. Flacco, who was a first-round pick by the – by the Ravens. And then I had Pat Devlin who played three years with the, uh, yeah. with the Miami Dolphins. So um, we're getting really good quarterback play, just like we did the years I played for national championships in Delaware. Coach going to be sitting watching on Sunday. Best of luck. It's been great to follow you all year. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, John. I appreciate you. John Harris with Sam Houston State Head Coach Casey Keeler. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Go to HoustonTexans.com for everything on Rookie Minicamp this weekend. Tomorrow we'll have a whole bunch of stuff on there tomorrow afternoon. So Keep combing through the app, all the draft stuff, all the stuff on Rookie Minicamp, all the schedule stuff. It's all there, HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. Thank you, Eddie, for producing. Have a great night, everyone, a great weekend, and go Texans.